Welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. So what are we talking about today, Sim? I was asking one of my friends about some feedback for the podcast because we're getting like a lot of awesome messages and a lot of like great feedback but I just wanted something a little bit more constructive and she did not disappoint she was like you know what the information's great but you sound like Kourtney Kardashian talking about salads and honestly fair enough because we've been talking about a lot of facts and a lot of statistics and just things that we can't really yarn about And so I thought we'd give you guys a little bit of a breather this week and just talk about something that's still related to investing, which is the idea of FIRE or the Financial Independence Retire Early Movement. We have a lot to talk about. We're both very passionate about this because it's just really interesting. And I don't think it's as well known as I think it should be. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Before we, I guess, get started on, you know, what is FIRE and going into the history of the movement, let it be known that with speaking about financial independence and, you know, being rich and financially free, that can mean something different to different people, right? And taking some time to carve out what that means to you, it's just going to set up the appropriate steps on how you can achieve that end goal whatever it might be, this is just one movement that's, I think, gaining a lot more momentum as of recent. And as Sim said, it is going to be just going to be a yarn. We have a lot to we have a lot to say about this. Just adding on that, you're so right with how personalized it is. Like I have a friend who, like in her view of financial independence or like her perfect lifestyle would be just having her own little block of land living off the land you know like growing her own vegetables and her own food and like that is her ideal retirement and that's so great and then there's other friends they want to be that like rich auntie that travels Europe like six months a year and just like buys everyone lavish gifts and that's also definitely achievable and it's a goal but it's me she's talking about me and gonna be that rich aunt for sure you need to spoil my future children i look forward to it so moving on to the actual topic of today do you want to just sort of tell us all a little bit about fire and, and what this is about yeah fire it's an acronym as most things are but with sim uh she did mention that it stands for financial independence retire early and it was actually born from a book that was written back in 1992 called Your Money or Your Life. The authors are Vicky Robin and Joe Dominguez. Essentially, it just goes through concepts like living below your means and learning how to have enough and it asks you really important questions about what is important to you. And I think it was one of the earliest books that kind of broke away from your traditional, you know, retirement plan at the time, working, what, 45 years, retiring at 65. Um, And just the idea of to be successful, you need like a fancy car and you need like a great big house. It gets you to question what is important like to you. So stemming from the book, she kind of pioneered a few concepts that we're about to talk about now. You'll find that a lot of the 
concepts or the habits that we're going to talk about, they overlap with each other. And that's completely fine. In fact, it kind of just shows that adopting a few of these habits, no matter how severe, it's going to have a positive impact on your finances. It's a really good book and they talk about a lot of really key concepts. One of them was being frugal. What does being frugal mean to you? Being frugal, it means being thrifty, you know, being very intentional where you're spending your money. It's maybe doing a little bit of research before you buy a product. Like you're not buying the most expensive thing on the market because for you, how expensive that product is relates to quality, you know? Would you say that, because I think some people have the misconception that being frugal means like if you go out to lunch with all your friends and people want to split the bill that you're the person that's like, actually, I just had like a $5 meal, so I don't want to break this three ways because that's going to make me pay $10. Like, is, is that what being frugal is? I think someone who's frugal wouldn't have gone out to lunch in the first place. I'm kidding. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm so kidding. Do you know what? When I talk about their severities to these concepts, I don't doubt that some people who are frugal pull something like that, but I don't think it's necessarily fair to have that blanket assumption on people who do practice being frugal. It's just, I guess, The easiest way that I can put frugality and the way that it makes sense to me is how you can get the best bang for your buck. So another concept of FIRE is minimalism, which I think is an extremely popular movement. I mean, there's so many videos and blog posts and people who are practicing it, documenting, starting their journeys and their journeys so far with minimalism. But essentially, It is all about owning what adds value and meaning to your life. So it's about removing the clutter and using not only your money wisely, but using your time and using your energy for the things that bring you joy and bring you peace. It's a direct, I guess, slap in the face, um, as some would call it, to like consumerism and consumer culture where is just about how much you own and the amount of things you own means that reflects your success. Was there ever a time where you felt like what you owned reflected on who you were or was there ever a time where you bought something not because you necessarily just wanted it but because you were like this will make me look a certain way to other people? 100%. 100%. That was me in high school with a friend Jan sport bag, eh? Like, I think it affects people more than they realize. It might even be buying Apple AirPods or waiting until you can buy Apple AirPods instead of buying just any random like Bluetooth earbuds that do the exact same thing. But because Apple is branded and there's this whole, I guess, history it's just so funny that you say this because you're recording with like non-Apple AirPods and I'm just sitting here with my Apple AirPods just like, that's fine. It was a direct attack to you. Now, actually, um, I do have Apple AirPods. Why don't you wear them? My cousin lost one and my auntie replaced it and I still haven't, well, my auntie said that she was going to replace it. Where it at, auntie? <laughs> still haven't received it. Moving on. Another really good concept that I love from the FIRE movement is the idea of like purposeful living. Do you mind explaining that a little bit more? 
Yeah. So purposeful living is also known as living intentionally is by just thinking about what you're buying. And I think where I think of this, it can be as small as someone waiting for a product to go on sale before buying something. And then as soon as the product goes on sale, they find that they don't actually even need the product or want the product. And I think that's an interesting way of waiting things out because you think that you need something, you think that you want something, but just by waiting it out, for example, waiting for it to go on sale, that time and that reflection in terms of do you actually need it, it ends up being like you don't need it and then you don't buy it. That totally makes sense. I am such a huge fan of purposeful living, intentional spending and minimalism, not just for like financial reasons, but I feel like it's also really great for the environment. Like you're just not doing things like you're not spending your money on fast fashion. You'd rather spend a hundred dollars on a nice pair of jeans rather than three pairs of jeans from a very cheap and somewhat dodgy manufactured company that's like ten dollars online. I think that's the thing, right? Like we're obviously speaking from a financial beneficial perspective in terms of adopting these concepts. They're going to have a positive impact on your finances and maybe hit your savings goals a little bit faster. But every single one of these concepts, they have bigger impacts, like as you mentioned, the environment, but also like for me, minimalism and having just less clutter in my house that helps with my mental clarity as well it brings me a lot of peace it sparks joy hello Marie Kondo I'm your biggest fan (laughs) I think it's also really worth noting before we get into financial independence retire early like I think it's really really important to just mention that when we talk about this and the idea of this I think we have to appreciate that This isn't something that is in the cards for everyone right now. Like everyone is in a different position in life, especially with COVID. For some people, the idea of saving enough money to invest to retire early, like that's just not their main priority. And that's not something that they even want to think about. And I think it's worth us acknowledging that and we understand that. And I think in saying that, We hope this podcast is still valuable because there are a lot of concepts like we've sort of mentioned earlier, like mindfulness and minimalism and consumerism that hopefully you can still take away from regardless of what your goals are, where you're at in life. It is all right. Of course, it's all right to retire much later than 65 or much earlier than 65. I think what's really valuable is regardless of where you are these concepts will put you back in the driver's seat of your financial future you'll be more in control of your spending and like Sonia saying that mental clarity is priceless it all goes back to you taking time to defining what financial independence to you I think we can all agree that the basis of being financially free or financial independence is choice and not letting your money rule you and feeling like you're just worried about money all the time, these concepts, no matter how like, severe you decide to go <laughs> with frugality, with minimalism, with living more intentionally and practicing a like, simpler living, um, I guess in a nutshell, as Sim says, yeah, the, the benefits 
go further than just your finances. So, Sonia, you've covered minimalism, you've covered purposeful living, you've covered consumerism. There was one more idea that comes from the book, the idea of, you know, having enough or lifestyle inflation. Now, lifestyle inflation is a pretty, like, jargony term, or at least I would find that a jargony term. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about it? Well, first of all, let's just talk about what lifestyle inflation is. So it's just a tendency that you spend more money when your income increases. For example, just say you are making 40K at the moment and your life and your living situation, it reflects the 40K. You might have a 20-year-old Toyota, you might live in the burbs and when you get just say a 20k increase you're like hey now I can get a new car now I can move out of this cheap neighborhood and go live in a more expensive neighborhood because you know I've got more money that I can play with I've got more money that I can spend the next year maybe you get 20k more and you're like I just want to know where I can sign up where I'm getting 20k bonuses it's just a hypothetical it is just an example sweetie in these trying times i highly doubt that any employer increased your income by 20k i just want to know what employer gives a 20k increase every year because i am willing to sign up but look this is just a hypothetical example it is a very extreme example but i think my point is is that as soon as you start earning a little bit more money your spending habits or the things that you spend money on they also tend to increase as well and like that's why I say what is enough because when you're getting these increases at work or you're getting like added income you're also increasing your outgoing like where do you get to a point where you're like I think I have enough that's so true like Vicky Robin the the author of your money or your life she did a seminar and she got people of different income levels to say like, all right, like how much more would make you happy? And everyone from the people earning 20K to the people earning 100K, they were all, or at least majority of them were like, you know what, if I earned 50% more than I earn now, so the person that was on 20K said, if I earn 50% more than I earn now, I'd be happy. And the same thing was said by the person on 100K. They were like, if I earn 50% more, that'll be good for me. It's just like we're in this constant cycle of you want to achieve something or you want to, you know, get somewhere, you get it and you're like, cool, what's next? Whether that be your income or the things you buy, like, it's you're right, it's just such a never-ending cycle. How does someone work out what's enough? So in terms of, like, how you'd figure out what is enough for you, I don't mean to sound like a broken record at this point, but hey, let's all just self-reflect and take some time to figure out what actually brings you joy. Sim and I were were talking about this before. Like, and when you're constantly wanting more, you're in this like weird race. And I think it comes from social media in part because you're seeing what everyone else has and you're reflecting what you think success is based on what someone else your age on social media is flaunting, that's, I think, we're just constantly looking at other people instead of staying in our own lanes and thinking, hey, is a Bentley actually going to make me happy? Oh my God, yes. I think I am 
definitely, like without a doubt, someone that suffers from this. Like when someone asks me what lifestyle inflation is, lifestyle inflation is me driving to work and parking next to the optometrist that has an Audi. And I'm like, why am I driving my car? Did your car get you to the same location? Yes. Yeah. That's what I mean about lifestyle inflation. I feel like it could be avoided by practicing minding your own business. <laughs> like genuinely. When we constantly look to others, you're saying that you're never going to be happy until I have this thing. Well, what if next year they have a better car? What you need to go get that better car as well. It's like to basically the whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses. Like it's like you have this thing, but someone has something else. And someone's always going to have more than you. Like 100%. you could be in this beautiful house in a very affluent suburb and someone's still going to have the bigger house with the more cars, with the kids in private school. And it's like, where do you stop? I think the great thing about the FIRE movement is literally redefining what retirement is. I mean, people our age are like getting more interested in it, in it because we're not just taking like, oh, yeah, you retire at 65 and then your life begins. Like, then you're going to have time to do all of this stuff. First and foremost, retirement literally just means leaving the workforce. I get that the societal norm is 65. You know, that's when your pension kicks in, your superannuation. And I think 65 works out to be kind of like the golden age. Did you know that? The reason 65, like nowadays, that's kind of like the train of thought. Back when it was chosen, 65 was chosen because it was like, oh, like people aren't going to live that long. Let's just cut it off there. Oh my God, that is so true. Damn, we're all living longer. We have to suffer for longer, you know? Not even think about that. So, as I was saying, fire that challenges the societal norm of retiring at you know 65 and that's when your life begins whereas I think that there's this kind of mindset shift in terms of you're never too young for life satisfaction man so it literally just challenges the societal norm and that's it's super interesting to me because I think older generations you know some people our age now their entire self-worth is based around their employment and it just gets you to redefine that. By leaving the workforce earlier, you know, you have time to be doing passion projects, aka doing something that brings you joy and, you know, still contributing to society. And for example, do you want to travel and do volunteer work? Or is it to go overseas and maybe, like, teach English? I think there's this misconception, or rather a counter-argument of, well, why do you want to retire so early? Like, if you retire in your 40s or, or even your 50s, like, that's a long time to be, quote-unquote, doing nothing. When people achieve FIRE, is that usually the case? Like, is it just, like, a 60-year holiday? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it is. You know, apart from doing, as I just spoke about, like passion projects, um, like traveling, volunteer work, even volunteer work in your communities, I think people who who have uh, retired early, who are wanting to retire early, it can be as simple as wanting to spend more time with your kids. 
you know, taking the time out to dropping them to school, picking them from picking them up and spending time with them to do their homework, things that they can't do if they work 40 plus hour weeks, you know, and generally, and this is obviously not in the sub, like I'm not trying to throw out assumptions, but people in their 30s, they are, they do have young kids that are molded by the time that you spend with them. Moving on, this is a finance podcast, so without a doubt, we are going to chuck in a little bit of math. I promise it's not difficult, but essentially with FIRE and how it works is the idea is there was the study called the Trinity Study quite a few years ago, and what they did is they realized that if you want to have passive income, you can achieve that by getting and investing to a certain number or a certain amount of money and then drawing out 4% every year from that sort of lump sum and living off the 4%. So another way of describing this is just say you realize that you need $40,000 a year post-tax to live comfortably. So that's roughly $750 a week into your bank account to live your life, pay your rent, travel, spend time with your family and friends and just, you know, be content. To achieve that amount of passive income, you need to basically draw out $40,000 a year and how much you have to have saved is the percentage of that. So Mm -hmm. $40,000 is 4% of about a million dollars. So you over time, the goal is to save a million dollars through investing, through compound interest, so that when you reach that number, and it'll be different for everyone, for some people it will be a lot more, for some people it'll be a lot less. And that's the idea that you can then have almost like this bottomless pool or bottomless well where you draw out 4% every year and that money, quote unquote, shouldn't end. So that is the basis of financial independence. Retire early. I heard a few people say, you know, do 3% instead of 4%. What do you think the ideal, I guess, withdrawal rate would be? So that's a really good point. In the study, they based it off the idea that this money would last for 30 years. So understandably, if you're retiring in your 40s or even if you're in your 30s, like you're going to ideally live a little bit longer than 30 years. So basically what this means is that some of the research that was further done found that, well, actually 3% is a little bit more of a safer rate Mm -hmm. because you're a little bit more likely for that money to last you, quote unquote, your whole life rather than 4%. The 4% comes from the assumption that the stock market returns ideally 7% a year the S&P 500 over the last 90-ish years has returned about 9.8%. So 7 is still like being a little bit conservative. So 7% of your money increasing, 3% of inflation, which means it's taking away 3%. So that's where that 4 comes from. So basically breaking down how to achieve FIRE, it's really simple in the sense that there's not a lot of steps to it. Step 1 is really just cutting down your spending cutting down your spending in a meaningful way. So that doesn't mean no more coffees. That doesn't mean 
like living in tattered clothing and just like fearing for your life every time you drive to your like bad neighborhood. It means putting money in things that are important to you and cutting down on things that you actually realize aren't important. So an example that I like to always come back to is just lattes and coffee and this whole debacle on like you can't buy a house because you buy coffee. That's obviously not the case. For some people, it is something that brings them joy. And I know like for Sonia, she loves her coffees and she will take time out to buy that because that's where her happiness lies. But then she won't buy things elsewhere that aren't important to her. Whereas for me, coffee isn't that important to me. I thought it was. I cut it out. I don't miss it. But rather, I would spend that money on something else like going out to lunch with friends because that's really important to me. It just means I'm not going to do both. I'm just going to do the one that's, you know, more likely to make me happier. So cutting down your spending, some people go very extreme with this and they will go through their bank statements for the last three months, which I honestly think is a pretty cool thing to do. And they'll just go, what do I spend my money on that I don't need? Like, do I really need this much data in my phone plan when I don't actually meet it? Or do I really need, you know, a Spotify premium account? Can I split it with like four of my family members and get it a lot cheaper? Like the little things do add up and cutting down your spending is, you know, something as tiny as that or it can be a lot bigger. Like for example, not having a car and biking to work if that's possible for you and you don't live in hilly Auckland. <laughs> what would you consider a good savings rate? Like what would be the ideal amount that you'd want to put away? I think it really varies person by person and based on their circumstances. Like a, a, a good rule of thumb, not in terms of fire, but just in general is, you know, 20 to 30 percent. But with fire, the more you can save, the better. And it's just different for different people. The sort of fire standard slash ideal saving rate is 70%, but I think it's worth noting that that's not very achievable for everyone. And I know that, like, I think in this podcast, we're just going to be very open and we're very comfortable with sharing some of our personal finances because what's a finance podcast without a little bit of juicy stuff? But I personally save 70%. and. That is me making very conscious choices. Like I rent, I have, you know, grocery bills, I have my utility bills, I pay my power, you know, and I still go out and I still spend time with my friends and family and I still buy the occasional item of clothing, but there are things that I won't do. And I think, you know, I consciously chose to live in an area that isn't probably the most expensive part of New Zealand. So yeah, it's definitely different for different people. And the takeaway is there's nothing wrong with having a higher or lower savings rate. It just means you might not get there as fast as you want to. And I think it's important that you say it is dependent on the person because I think with with fire and with savings, it is common to be a little bit more aggressive in savings because the whole idea is that you're retiring like earlier than the norm but in terms of like how much earlier is that what you're saying yeah basically yeah so that's step one just cutting down your spending it's very simple to say obviously a little bit harder to do 
But even if you're not trying to achieve FIRE, I still recommend going through your bank account and just doing a little cleanse and seeing what you can cut out that you don't need because you'll be surprised. Step two is increasing your income. I always feel a little bit iffy when I talk about this because it's, I think we have, you know, the idea that you should be happy with what you have and that's kind of what we've talked about. But at the same time, if you want to achieve FIRE earlier, you might have to find other ways to supplement your income to increase your saving rate. That can be something as simple as, you know, taking on an extra job or working an extra couple of hours, but it could also be, and probably more recommended, is something that increases your income without you having to put in, you know, like an hourly time to get a wage. So you're not working in a way that if you don't work that hour, you're not going to get paid Examples of that would be like an online business. And then moving on to the final step is investing your savings. So we like to think of it as you're increasing your income, you're decreasing your spending, and you're widening that gap between the two. And the more you have, the more you can invest, and therefore the closer you are to your goal. Some people, I would say not majority, but a lot of people choose to just do this through index funds, through investing in stocks over time. There are other ways to invest too. Uh, Some people have rental incomes and the money that they get from that also adds to their portfolio and to the money that they can passively use over time. If you want to know how fast you can get there, there is a lot of online fire calculators and you just plug in like how much you earn, how much you want to, you know, earn from your passive income once you retire and your savings rate or your savings percentage and it sort of just tells you how much you need and and how long you're going to take to get there and you can sort of adjust it like just say you put down that you want to save 50k but then it takes a little bit longer you can drop that down to 30k and and you know it might get there faster so to sum up it's essentially just cutting down your spending and figuring out if you can find a way to increase your income and then also how to invest your savings. That's like, what, three steps? Quite simple, actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot easier said than done, but, you know, you're not having to spend a lot of time learning how to do it. So how much do you think people need to save? It depends on what you want to achieve, and so there's a really nice sort of way to break up the different types of fire and therefore how much you would want to save up based on what you kind of want to get out of early retirement. So there's lean fire, which in itself is a bit self-explanatory. It just means, you know, enough money to cover your rent, your groceries, your basic needs. It's the money that will just let you live life and yeah, just meet those needs. And that might be a little bit lower. That might be 20,000 a year or 15000 a year if you're very frugal as a single person. Then on the other spectrum, there's fat fire, which means retiring with a little bit more money, like, you know, the, the sort of retirement that we all imagine, like being on a boat and traveling around the country and traveling overseas and and just being able to live the life that you kind of do now if you're not frugal currently. So retiring without having to sort of reduce your current living expenses, the downside of that is you're going to have to save a lot more aggressively. 
And then the one that's kind of in the middle is Barista Fire. And I kind of love this name. I don't know what it is about this. But that just kind of means saving enough that somewhat supplements your income and lets you do something else that, you know, might still require you to work part time, but it's a job you enjoy. So for some people that might be leaving, you know, a big corporate and working in something that is just not something that pays well and not something that they need to work full time, but is, you know, something dear to their heart. So I've sort of talked about what FIRE is. We've talked about the steps to get there, why someone might be interested in it. But I think it's all a little bit meaningless if we don't actually give examples of people that have achieved financial independence and have retired early. So there's one person he is known as Mr. Money Mustache. His name is Peter Adney. He's a guy from Canada and he retired at 30 years old, which is insane. Like it is genuinely insane. He worked for nine years and then he was like, I'm done. I'm good. And Mr. Money Mustache started a online blog. It's still available. And basically what his story is, is that he started at 22 as a software. I think it was a software engineer or like something in IT. He started his job in 1996 with a salary of $41,000, which in today's terms would be about $65,000. So not a, not a, you know, very high salary, but a decent, a decent start. And he started with a net worth of $0. He found ways to increase his income and ways to really decrease his spending. Like he was that frugal, frugal, like he was the real like kind of guy that would just bike to work like I don't know why for me that's just like a whole nother level but I could never so he essentially through his job alone increased his income year by year and he's definitely someone that I wouldn't say had it easier but increasing your income through your job is definitely not something we can all achieve so quickly And so by the ninth year, he was earning $125,000. By then, he had saved $800,000 and he retired. I think he was probably one of the first people to document the entire process so well. And all his articles are still up on his website. And Sonia was mentioning that the people that follow him, what are they called again? They're called Mustachians, which is all well and good, truly. I think he's cool because he, I would say, almost popularized the idea of this fire movement. Like a lot more people, they were following his journey and they're wanting to emulate what he did as well. And it just really did gain traction. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to someone speak about Mr. Money Mustache, about his work. They said that when they heard about it they were like this guy's just lying like there is no way but they read the study they like saw the math and they were like oh like it actually adds up and I thought it was pretty cool he's obviously a bit of an extreme example because he did get to work or he chose to work in a sector that gave him enough progression very quickly I don't think it's the norm to jump so high in your salary in such a short period of time and he obviously worked very hard to get there Another example is an African-American lady called Jackie Kosky. She's a single mother from the States. She started off with $20,000 in her retirement and she retired at 48 with over a million dollars. 
And it's not that she had a very, very high salary. I mean, it was definitely on the highest side. She had about 80K a year, sometimes more, sometimes less, but she chose to save 40K a year and only spend 40K a year. So, you know, a savings rate of 50%. She had a child, she had expenses, but she was able to do things that would lower her expenses compared to the average person. So, for example, living in a cheaper state, but then still going out with friends, but then living close to work. So she'd save money on gas. So these are two people. There are hundreds of them out there, if not thousands. A lot of them have their own blogs and their own podcasts. And what I love about this community is they will tell you all their numbers. Yeah. I think the thing that I find that's like, I think a common factor in all of these people that have achieved FIRE or are well on their way to achieving FIRE is that they know what they want. They know what their goals are and they've like clearly outlined the steps on how to get there and then they make the appropriate you know, moves to get there. Like, as you said, like heaps of people think that you can only achieve this lifestyle or achieve fire if you are single, if you don't have a partner, if you don't have children. But, you know, you said Jackie does have kids. Damn, damn sis. You're really doing the damn thing. I think it gives me a lot of motivation to see that things like this are possible. Obviously, it's not easy. There's no right or wrong way of going about this, but I feel like it's just not a commonly discussed concept because, first of all, we're so scared to even talk about money, let alone plans with your money. And I just hope this podcast was a way to open up the conversation and and maybe have something to talk about with your friends. Yeah, man. Like, challenge what's being put out to you. Like, don't feel like you have to just accept like retiring at 65. So to sum up this podcast, we went over the ideas of FIRE, whether that be, you know, being frugal, looking at things through a sort of minimal slash intentional living lens and just sort of understanding that unless you sort of cap it and say, this is what I need to have enough, you'll never quite reach there because of things like lifestyle inflation. And Sim also touched on that how you can actually start your fire journey by breaking it down into three steps. So one, cutting down your spending, two, increasing your income, and three, investing your savings. We also went into a little bit on the different types of fire. So there's not just one blanket way to retire early. As always. If you want to keep in touch, check out our Facebook group, Girls That Invest. We've got a lovely little community there and also our Instagram where we like to post little tidbits and and facts and figures. And yeah. What I'll do is I'll take us out with the disclaimer. Girls That Invest does not provide personalised investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. All right. I think that's us. Okay, fam. Until next time. All right. See you.